This episode of the Golf Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. For every $25 you bet on college basketball, WinBet is giving you a chance to win a trip to Las Vegas for March Madness and $1,000 in free WinBet credits. Download the WinBet app now or visit winnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. You use promo code SGP in your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. We're also brought to you by Stable Duel. Stable Duel is a horse racing DFS app where you can play free and pay games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $15,000 with one entry. Head over to StableDuel.com to get started today. And of course, make sure you download the SGPN app for your home for all your free picks and podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Golf Gambling Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Shermer, and uh, if you hear me doing the ad reads at the beginning of the show, I think for the sixth straight week, I'm flying solo. Boston Capper has a good excuse. Uh, it was his kid's birthday. He had a day. So instead of having him just, you know, listen to me drone on about a golf course that, let's be honest, I'm going to rip to shreds in a little bit. I think you guys like it when I rip uh, golf courses to shreds on this uh, podcast. It's been a while. It's been a while since I actually, you know, was critical of, of, of a place. Yeah, so I'm going to do that later. He's doing something. So it's just me, Ryan Solo, tonight. Um, I think you guys all know, if you listen to uh, the pick show this week and read my column, I had a great week. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people had kind of a rough week uh, based on just some of the conversation in the Slack channel. I, I This is one of my best weeks <laughs> almost ever. Um so let's just go through it. So I complained about my pre-tournament matchups. Maybe that's all I needed was to just be vulnerable and get that out into the ether. That hey, like I haven't been doing very well in my pre-tournament matchups. Well, I went three and one on those this week. Uh, that was pretty good. Uh, I placed, I think, fourteen or fifteen positional prop bets for the week. Uh, six of those cashed. My top twenties were a disaster. So I am adding, and I put this in Slack. Rory and Xander finished top twenty about even odds. Those cashed. So I had eight positional props cashed for the week. Uh, Mark Leishman, Cameron Tringali, the top 30s kind of killed it. Uh, Jason Kokrak, unfortunately, he dead heated a little bit, but you know, whatever. Maverick McNeely, uh, top 30s, those all hit. Sebastian Munoz, top 40, that hit. Uh, Aaron Rye came came close, he didn't quite do it, but I still made money on the top 40s. Uh, again, Xander and Rory live in tournament, saving on top 20s. JT, top 10. Pretty good. Uh, I was big on JT, typically bounces back after a bad embarrassing putter performance that happened this week. He almost four strokes putting. So that was a good job. Ken Smith did not do great. That was pretty disappointing. Uh, but the reason why I had a great week, uh, walking Neiman 70 to one, that was a hell of a hit. And that was really stressful. I know that he was up five, but he was leaking oil. A lot of this weekend on the back nine, he was really shaky. He was shaky to start today. Like he missed that three footer on one. He missed a five-footer for birdie on six. Uh, he missed another four-footer on 10 today. Like, those are three really good birdie looks that, he, like, his putter was basically unconscious for the first two days, and it, it went away from him over the weekend. Uh, but he held it together, and I'm just, I am happy to be on Joaquin Neiman before, you know, he got this win. Like, like I, I got it on the right time for him because, he is a darling in the community. Everybody bets him. And win or lose this week, we were never probably going to see a 70 to one Joaquin Neiman again until he starts like really fading. Like it's 
what whatever was going to happen, it was going to go to like 35, 40, 45. Like he wasn't going to get priced that low again. So I was glad I was on him this week. Good timing. Um, that was a really nice hit. That's two in a row for me. I nailed Scotty Scheffler with everybody else last week. Uh, I think I was more alone on Neiman this week, although I noticed that he got steamed up a lot this weekend. And I, I got him early at 70. I think he had a couple books. I saw him around 55, 50. I even saw him at 45 on one book. So I don't know. Maybe there was some sharp money coming in. But um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with the result. I guess some other thoughts and comments I have about the Genesis Invitational before we move on. Kyle Morikawa scared the hell out of me today. Um, he got hot at the end. Like, he just nails. He's so good. And, um, you know, he had no real course history here to speak of because, you know, even though he struck the ball really well, he was just such a disaster on and around the greens. But I think what helped him this year was, and, it, I mean, it was really good scoring conditions. Um, I'll get to that in a little bit after, you know, I talk about a couple of other players. but. I think what helped them was no wind. They did get a rainstorm on Tuesday. It softened off the greens a little bit. I think that muted some of his issues around the green because he was pretty dicey around the green today. Like some of his chips he had were pretty bad. Some of his bunker shots weren't that great. Um, but he was able to hit a lot more greens than he probably used to, would normally do. And he's found some consistency with a putter. Guys, like I think the days of Morikawa like just being disastrous for six, seven straight weeks with a putter is over. And the, the fact that he is finding more weeks and not just here, like over on the European tour, like, and a lot of people don't look at that data. He was putting really well over there too. And he's putting well on different surfaces now. Like he's going to win a lot. Like I think the players, if they, if they do what they did this week, I don't think the books will. But the books end up putting a two in front of his number of the players. I'm betting him there. Like, I, I don't care what the number is. I, I think Morikawa, I think, is going to win the players and the Masters. He's going to do big things this year, obviously. He just, he's a stud. Um, and then I, I want to talk, quickly talk about Cam Young. Uh, that was really impressive this week. The kid stud tall. He made a couple silly mistakes, but he's a rookie. Uh, he's been playing really well the last couple of weeks. I think he finished second at Sanderson. Unfortunately, when I'm worried about him, is he is the shiny new toy for everybody. I think his ownership percentage is going to be through the roof uh, whenever he plays next. I'm not sure. If, I think he's playing next week at Honda. So I guarantee people are going to be back on him again. Like he's going to be the new Hayden Buckley, what we tried to turn him in back around the annex. He's going to be Sadith Gala, which we tried to turn him into Pebble. And it turns out we were all a week early on him. It was at Phoenix. They should have been playing. He's going to be the next. I don't know who else has been good this year. Like, I mean, it's, He's the next guy we all move to. I, I think I would be careful of doing that just because a lot of these rookies are really good. It's a really deep pool this year, but they're really volatile. And you're going to have some really bad Cameron Young weeks too. And I think maybe this might you know, turn an opportunity of maybe fading him at some point just because the ownership is going to be at least double digits next week. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe it's a Chad Ramey next week. Maybe it's Taylor Pendrith. We want it. That's actually the one. So try and find the next big thing before anybody's on them, because these guys are going to be up and down all year. They're really talented. Uh, it's going to be nothing against Chick Cameron young when he crashes back to earth. Eventually it's not always going to be this good. Um, but try and find the next big thing. And I think the last thing was, I mean, I loved watching Riviera this week. It's always a joy to watch it. I, it was a little disappointing that they didn't get any wind, but 
I looked at the golf course and the fact that these guys were putting up the rounds that they were doing, like, uh, yeah, there were some car crashes. Uh, shout out Will Zalatoris for doubling on the back nine today to uh, drop out of the top 20. That kind of hurt. Uh, that would have added another positional prop for me, but say la vie. Um, there were still some car crashes. Uh, Leishman messed up the 10. Like, 10 is always great to watch. Like, regardless of what the conditions are, like, guys are going to mess that up. I think Adam Scott hit into a porta potty today. That was pretty great uh, over on 10. But for the most part, I think we're seeing now what happens when you get a lot of really talented players with golf equipment that sends the ball farther than it's ever been. And the ball doesn't spin. And it like it doesn't spin off the driver, off the tee, and it just goes for miles. And it's kind of a shame to see Riviera brought to his knees this week. Like I didn't expect 20 under to be the winning score or 19 under at least. I mean, Joaquin even got to 21 under. And if, if a couple more putts rolled in today, probably would have been 23 or 24. So I think about this, and then I think about where we're going in July to the open championship, I'm really worried about what they're going to do to St. Andrews. Like if there's no wind or no traditional Scotch weather, like the winning scores, like we're going to see maybe Kapalua type scores there. Like I, I know, I think in 2015 it was 15 under, but there was wind, there was bad weather. Like if it's calm all four days, you guys are going to eat that place up. It doesn't matter how, what they do to it. So you know, I mean, I it's it, I love Riviera. It's a shame that I think we're starting to see it brought to his knees, though. So why don't we take a break and then uh, we'll start going over the DFS report card uh, and then a couple other news and notes before we start getting into the Honda. So let's start about Winbet. Um, you know, obviously Winbet has great golf props. If you went over there, you cash big on seventy-five to one on Joaquin Neiman. But Winbet also has a massive college basketball contest, and that's great. Like you want to start getting the college basketball right now because the NFL is over. You got golf, but if you need something to sweat during the week from like Monday through Wednesday or Thursday, you know, Winbet has what you need for college basketball. So they have a college basketball contest so you can enter for a big prize. And the grand prize winner receive a reserve seating area four seats the world-renowned win las vegas race and sportsbook for early round action of the college basketball tournament thursday march 17th and friday march 18th as well as two rooms at the win las vegas for two nights stay in addition they'll be awarded a thousand dollars in free bets on win bet and any win bet patron that placed a minimum 25 dollars wager on a college basketball game during the promotion period will become eligible for the prize and players can take advantage of the offer immediately there's no limit the number of entries that a patron can receive into the grand prize drawing for example, if a patron wagers $1,000 in college basketball during the promotional period, they'll get 40 entries. That's a hell of a deal. You guys should absolutely do that. So go over, sign up for WinBet, and participate in their college basketball contest right now. All are subject to the change in terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in, in the state where play through WinBet is available. If you or someone else has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's go over just the DFS report card. Let's go over where guys were, and I'll talk about some random things, you know, as I see it. So let's start at the top, uh, over $10,000. Um, you know, I, I I got Joaquin Neiman this week. That was a great call. I think my best call of the week was the John Rom gravy chain was going to come to an end this week. I saw some changes in the army, and yeah, congratulations on your backdoor top 30, John. You know, you know, good job cashing all those minus 550 top 30 tickets for all those betters out there. I know they're really sweating it for you. You know, good job, John. You know, I, I maybe that maybe we're gonna start seeing the number calm down. Yeah, it he listen, he's good. He's a really good player. He's a great player. 
maybe we're going to start to some real realistic pricing on him because he was a complete afterthought most of the week. The problem, like he was bad around the green. His putter was bad. That was what I was worrying about coming in. And Riviera is a place where your finish on the leaderboard is dictated based on really how, how you putt and how you, you know, scramble. So um, he was the most popular player about $10,000. Not great. Uh, Patrick Hanley also came down to earth. Although he had a nice weekend. So, you know, whatever. And he rallied for people. DJ was the biggest disappointment. Uh, 50% ownership in GPPs didn't even make the cut. Uh, we'll talk about him in a little bit. There's some Saudi news. I, I want to cover that you know, relates to him, but uh, the least pop, most popular players, Kyle Morikawa, which we already talked about. He was third in DraftKings scoring. JT6, that was the one I liked this week. That was the guy I played over 10,000 this week. And like uh, my my theory on him was every time we have seen an embarrassing JT putting performance, he does bounce back. And he bounced back this week. He gained four strokes putting. So, you know, I mean, his ball striking is on fire. He's going to defend the players in a couple weeks now. I, I mean, I, I think he's... I mean, obviously, he's Justin Thomas. He's a threat to win any week. He's long overdue for a win. Maybe he ends up repeating uh, in a couple weeks. So uh, $9,000 range. Uh, Cam Smith, big disappointment. Um, I had a top 10 prop on him, and, and that was looking great. I think he was like T6 for most of Thursday and Friday, and then just dropped like a stone yesterday. I, I didn't watch much of the afternoon coverage yesterday, but, man, that was brutal just to see him just go all the way down to Libra and then he did fine today, but you know, say la vie 51st in drafting scoring, uh, 22% ownership, big disappointment. Uh, I liked Rory this week. He was fine. Um, the results on the leaderboard don't really reflect what he did in draft. He's only 20th in scoring this week. Uh, 20% ownership. I mean, I'll have to go look at the stats. I, I haven't processed everything yet, but I mean, he seemed okay. Uh, I don't think his his irons all that great Thursday and Friday though. That's a little bit cause of concern because he didn't hit his irons great. I think over in the Middle East either. So that's something to watch for. Um, Xander was whatever 18th in scoring backdoor to or he got into the top 20 this week. You know, thanks for cashing that. But you know, pretty disappointing stretch for Xander. Uh, I feel like he might have missed the window for the win. Maybe it's maybe we're waiting a little bit longer for him because we're not we're coming up on a stretch of golf courses where. Not really Xander tracks. It might not really be a Xander track until we get to the Masters. So, but who knows? Maybe he surprised all of us and finishes second at the players because he's done that before, even though he's typically not good in Florida. So, uh, but in the 9,000 hour range, Victor Hoblin, who bounced back, uh, that was a nice pivot play, only 11% ownership. He was good. Scotty Scheffler backed up his win last week with a seventh uh, finish in here. And then Burskapka doesn't like Kakuya. Didn't make the cut. Thank you for cashing the matchup I had, you know, with him, Jordan Spieth. Much appreciated. Eight thousand dollar range. Um, twenty one percent Taylor Gooch ownership. The biggest bust of the week. Uh, didn't make the cut. But even though I'm not on Twitter, I was well aware that he dunked on some random golf tout uh, who basically called him a bum, and that was great. I like it when these guys chirp back at some of those, you know, touts are kind of feeling themselves that. It just, you know, put them in their place. That was pretty good to see. Kudos to Taylor Gooch. I know you ruined a bunch of lineups this week. You didn't cash a top 20 for me. Whatever. The fact you did that, you're betting my good gracious. Um, Adam Scott defied a couple of curses this week. He finished fourth in scoring. Will's Zaltor is probably a big disappointment. He 
uh, doubled, I think, 16 to 15 today to drop, to really drop out of it. 36 in scoring, not where you're looking for for Wills Alex Horace. I was worried about that all week. Uh, I probably should have laid off completely, but whatever. Uh, Sonjay kind of disappointed me. He was 47th in scoring. He had a couple, in a couple up days, a couple down days. Um, let's see. What are our notes here? Uh, Sam Burns, he's broken. Uh, something's wrong with him. Um, not very good Friday. I think he was like plus five on uh, on Friday. Missed the cut bad. That's a shame. He's got to get things figured out. Maybe going back to Bermuda and Florida on the East Coast is going to fix his woes. But man, it's you know after the really good fall he had to see him kind of struggle at a couple of golf courses that should fit his strengths. Not great. And then Matthew Fitzpatrick uh, conveniently withdrew at the eleventh hour while. A lot of us were sleeping because uh, tea times went off about 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. So anyone in the East Coast probably found out well in time that Fitzpatrick was going to withdraw. But if you lived in the West Coast and you were sleeping and you were one of the 8% of uh, owners that still had him in your lineup, took a big fat zero, that sucks. Like I was try- I was thinking, like, what can we do to fix this problem? I don't really have a good answer. Like, I guess the best answer would be, Anytime you fill out a DraftKings lineup, they give you an option for like a substitute for either the same price or lower for each guy you pick. I don't know. I think it just, it is what it is. We don't see this often, but I can imagine people will probably be talking about this week because Fitzpatrick was a very popular pick um, in DraftKings and outrights. And I'm disappointed he didn't get to play this week because I had high hopes for him. Um, all right, 7,000 hour range. You know, some of the nobles. Obviously, we talk about Joaquin Neiman, 11% ownership. That was great. Leishman, 21st in scoring. Paul Casey, top 20 in scoring. They were they were the two most popular guys here. They relatively came through. Uh, Thomas Peters, uh, disappointed. Uh, I think all of us want him to be a little better than maybe what he was. And maybe it was a little bit, you know, I mean, he's, he's been playing great. I, I shouldn't take away from Thomas Peters, but it just didn't go, didn't go for him this week. Uh, anyone who continued to have faith in Maverick McNeely? Were rewarded eighth in scoring this week. Uh, anyone continue to have faith in Cameron Tringali? And I was one of those guys that you know speculated maybe he just needs to be on a really demanding, difficult golf course. And he's 14th this week. There's that. Uh, Jason Kokrak, 17th in scoring this week, despite the fact he apparently can't hit up a bunker. Well, he finished top 20 in DraftKings scoring, so that was good enough for the you know for him. And then it was good to see Robert Mac- McIntyre do better. He's been struggling bad over on the European tour. And that's a kid I believe in um, getting him over it here on Riviera and see him, you know, post a top 30 drafting scoring week. That's pretty good. Uh, and then under $7,000, um, you know, not really a whole lot of chalk here. I think most popular guys are Wyndham Clark and Patrick Rogers hanging around 5% ownership. Both of them missed the cut. Uh, Aaron Rye, 3.6%. Um, finished outside the top 40, but... I think he finished like 50th or so, but top 40 in scoring DraftKings this week was pretty good. Sebastian Munoz, top 30 in scoring. That was a guy like uh, Mito Pereira, bounce back, you know, week after everyone kind of abandoned ship. I expect his ownership to start creeping up again because he had a really good week. Uh, Cam Young, obviously, we talked about him, 2.9% ownership. I expect that to be probably eight times that next week. Uh, and then Cage Lee, who's been pretty good here. Other than that, though, Matt Jones, uh, shout out Jeff Nagel. He picked Matt Jones this week. Very good pick. Um, you know, ninth in scoring. You know, he just went with the Aussie narrative and went for the Aussie guy that no one really seemed to, you know, remember who's in the field. And he was under 1% owned, so that worked out for him. Um, let's see. Yeah, Emiliano Grio did well. Ches Reeby had a great day. Uh, 
shout out to him. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he was upset that he missed his window at Pebble and he's doing well at Rivera. So overall, though, um, good week for me. I'm pretty happy with what happened. Uh, if you tailed some of my picks, you probably did well, too. If you didn't, hey, listen, you know, it's golf. I'm going to get to a little spiel later because we're going to come on another golf course this week. And let me tell you, um, I've, I've, I've been doing pretty well the last two weeks. That's probably coming to an end this week. I don't have a great track record at the Honda Classic because, well, I'll get to why in a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, if you had a bad week, don't get discouraged. This happens. You know, you'll be fine. Everything, like I say, it's like with putting, with putting, everything always regress to the mean. If you had a couple of bad weeks, good times are going to come. If you just keep grinding, if you've been high, riding really high, you know, like you're, it's always going to regress. And you always got to keep that in mind. And, you know, I mean, yeah, that's just what we sign up for. Um, I think the last thing before we start getting into the Honda Classic, uh, a lot of Saudi talk this week. Uh, it started with Phil. How sad is that? That just a guy that everybody loved, just full heel turn. I mean, look, everyone knows the comments that he made, essentially saying, look, like, I know the Saudis have done all these atrocities, but we have a once in a lifetime opportunity to change the PGA Tour. And and I I guess where I fall on all this Saudi Super League talk, it's it's two things. Number it's actually three things. Number one. From just a general point, I don't really care if these guys accept a bunch of money to go play in another golf league. Like it's their life, and if you're getting accepted nine fig a nine figure check to go play, go play it. If you think it's good for you, fine, go do it. What I don't appreciate is them gaslighting us about the reasons they're doing it. For example, them telling us that. Well, actually, Saudi Arabia is becoming more progressive or we're trying to grow the game or the PGA Tour doesn't treat us well enough. We're going to go play this place or we have a once in a life or what Phil is doing. I am essentially using the Saudi regime to make changes for the for the good of the PGA Tour. Just stop it. It's about the money. And I would appreciate you guys just being upfront. It's like Jason Kokrak, by the way. Listen, you can think whatever he wants about he's going to go play. I appreciate the fact that he was honest about the fact that he went because he wants to retire by the time he's 44, and this is a way for him to do it. You know what? Fine. I expect I appreciate the honesty when you do it. So that's from that standpoint. Second standpoint is from just like a content creation standpoint, from like where I sit, I don't want this lead to happen. I, it's not that I don't want this this to happen. I want one or the other. It's already kind of hard to juggle what happens on the European tour with what happens here. Like PG tour is my primary focus. It's very hard to juggle what happens on the Euro tour. Now we're going to throw in the Saudi league, which is going to take more top players over there. A lot to keep track of. If they don't have shot link, that's going to be a disaster. Like we're not going to have anything on these guys for the majors if they're allowed to play or any of the major terms if they come back to the PGA Tour. It's just, it's not great. And then from a gambling standpoint, like it's just going to water down the fields. Like the more and more top players that go over to the Saudi league and play, you know, I mean, we're, it's just, it takes away from good fields here. It's just from, it's just not going to be as fun. 
let's just put it that way. Just gonna be it just I, I don't want everything segmented. But now I think the good thing though is it sounds like it, this thing it might be falling apart. You know, DJ came out and said that he's committed to the PJ tour. Now that could just be word speak, and he could easily renege on that. Uh Xander said kind of the same thing. He basically he he said that he wanted to play where the top players play. I don't think that he necessarily said there was a PJ tour. I didn't see that in the quote, but it seems like he's committed to staying here until other players go over there. Um, Bryson came out and said he's committed to the PJ tour. I don't believe a word he says. I, I think what it comes down to is I think these players are just sitting there waiting. Uh, I think some of them, the older players have decided they're going to go do it. They're going to cash in the big payday. I think some of these actual stars that we actually care about, like, I don't really care if Adam Scott goes over and plays. I don't care if Phil goes plays. I don't care if Justin Rose goes and plays. Like, those guys are past their prime. Whatever. Like, go get paid. Like, it's... And when they start taking, like, the Xanders or the DJs or the Brysons, like, that would kind of suck. And I think it's just a big game of waiting and chicken at this point and waiting for somebody to make a move. And I don't know. It, it sounds like if DJ's not going over, I don't think anybody like of note is going to go over unless they just want the big payday. So, you know, maybe this thing will die in the vine and I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, there's a couple things that the PJ tour said that they might um, be doing in the fall. That sounds fun. If you want to go, uh, basically it's going to be a little bit of a fall series. That's cool. Um, you know, we'll see what the details come out of it. You know, if it ever does, but yeah, I mean, I, I, Maybe with some players starting to rebuff the Saudis, maybe this thing starts to die and we don't even really have to worry about it anymore. So uh, with that, why don't we take another ad break and then we'll start talking about the Honda. So let's talk about IP Vanish. And did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without ad security, might as well give away your, all your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. That means that your, your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed. Your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you use streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. It's offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like just getting nine months for free. It's a great deal, guys. Why wouldn't you go sign up? It's super easy to use. All you have to do is one tap of the button, and you're instantly protected. You won't even know what's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with brand-rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to IPVanish.com slash SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's IPVanish.com slash SGP. All right, I've gone long talking way too much about the Genesis. I, I guess I'm just so happy about what happened. But why don't we go to the Honda? So let's kind of run through all of this. Uh, so let's go over the field. We've ha been on a really good run of Good fields. We had Phoenix. We had this place. We had Tory. Kind of like how Pebble was like a transition period, like a, I guess like a gap in the schedule, kind of like for a lot of these guys. Like they they check marked it, unless they went over and played Saudi Arabia. For a lot of guys, it was 
we're going to take a week off. And that's kind of what we have here. We're transitioning from the West Coast to the East Coast. Uh, we have Bay Hill in two weeks. We have the players in three weeks. Those are two really big events. A lot of top guys are going to be playing both back-to-back. There's a lot of money on the line. So even though the Honda Classic, which has had a lot of money pumped into it by Honda and the tour of kind of making this like the Waste Magic Phoenix Open of the East, it's in a lot of golfers' backyards. A lot of guys live in West Palm Beach and live in Jupiter, like five minutes away. But... They with how the schedule is now aligned now, it's hard to attract big names here. Like it, it's this field is pretty barren. So, you know, I guess the best player in the field this week is probably Brooks Kepka. Now, I mean, he's coming off a really b- bad performance at Riviera, but that was expected. You know, I gave the quote that he you know, in my article this week about how he doesn't like a grass, he feels like the ball sits up too much. And when he has such a steep swing, like he does ball spins too much. And I actually, I, I was watching an iron shot, I think on Friday and he hit it. He was in the middle of the fairway. He hit it about 20 feet short and the ball just spun off the green. And I just thought about that quote saying, Oh, well, you know, just it flowed on him. It spun too much. And he just doesn't like it. Now, now, now we're going to get him on Barita that it's, you know, that ball, the balls on Barita's, lie down a little flatter than they do on Kikui. It's not sitting on a tee. And, you know, he's been pretty good on Bermuda in his career. I'm interested in seeing if the books hang a dumb number on him because of just short-term bias. He might be worth taking a stab at because he's been pretty good here. We have seen him do relatively well recently. You know, who knows? Maybe they'll make a mistake and hang away 25 or 30 on him in a really weak field where he shouldn't be that. And then some other nobles in the field. We got Daniel Berger playing, although, you know, who knows with, what condition his back injury is. We'll see. Tommy Fleetwood played okay over in um, the Middle East. You know, so he's playing. Uh, you got Billy Horschel. You got Sung J.M. You know, he's a, a former winner here. You got Shane Lowry, who's, you know, like he's hitting the ball great over last year. Can't putt for a lick, but that actually kind of works at the Honda Classic. So maybe he can be a contender. Yeah, Joaquin Nemo just won last week. Yeah, Louis Uswezen. You got Patrick Reed. You got Matthew Wolf who you would think, you know, that that it's hard to gauge about Matthew Wolf because he's so volatile, like, and this is not a golf course where you really want volatility because it can go really wrong for you. So, I don't know. And then, uh, you know, if you want to click the full field, go check it out. There's not really a whole lot of star power. It's going to be kind of tough this week. So, why don't we talk about the golf course? Um, so, in 2007, the Honda Classic officially moved to PJ National after a major investment by a couple of private equity groups. Uh, it's played on the Champions course, um, and it's been playing here. This will be the 15th time it's been on that course. So the original Champions course, it was built by Tom Fazio and his Uncle George back in 1981. Um, they built it just so it can host the 1983 Ryder Cup. Um, but a lot of people are going to refer to this place as a Fazio. Over the years, this has slowly but surely turned into a Jack Nicholas place. Nicholas started putting his hands into PJ national in 2002. Um, and he also made another restoration or renovation to it in 2014, you know, among some of the other changes Nicholas made to the golf course, uh, he rerouted hole number 14, which funny enough, I actually went back and looked through the Google earth, uh, photos. I can't actually tell how he rerouted it. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong hole. I don't think I am, but apparently 
from what my research showed, he rerouted it. Uh, he added more water hazards. That's actually what he did. I, I see more water on this golf course. As if this place didn't have enough water to begin with, he added more water hazards and more bunkers. He had new tee boxes to lengthen it too. Uh, did some green enhancements. I think he shifted some greens around. Basically, you can absolutely see, and we'll talk about this later, you can absolutely see Jack Nicholas's fingerprints all over this place, just based on how he played and what type of shot shapes he likes. So, you know, just so I think for the most part, I'm going to refer mostly this mostly as a Jack Nicholas golf course. Now, I understand the bones are Fazio, but Nicholas has really transformed it really into his own place. So, some of his other golf courses he's done, he's done Murphy Village, he's done the Nicholas Tournament course at PJ West, he's done Concession Golf Club, he's done Valhalla. Uh, I know he did uh, Glen Abbey, which used to host the uh, Canadian National Open or the Canadian Open. Um, I think there's a couple other Nicholas ones that uh, I'm not can't remember, but you can go find it. I think maybe the Barracuda might be a Nicholas too. So basically, he has a reputation of creating very demanding and penal golf courses, and this is no exception. And I guess if I could describe PJ National in three words, uh, it's penal. It's narrow and it's unimaginative. Um, you know, we talk about the last couple of weeks, just really fun golf courses where I don't, you know, I mean, I don't think TBC Scottsdale is necessarily the best design golf course, but it's fun. There's a lot of fun holes, especially if it plays firm and fast. I think it's, it, it can definitely be interesting. I mean, obviously Riviera, I can, I just glow about that place as far as like the options off the tee, how the greens are constructed, just, you know, just a lot of the quirks to it as well. Like this place though, it seems like, it's difficulty is about water hazards. <laughs> that's that's right. Or bunkers. That's it. There's trouble lurking everywhere on this golf course. It's narrow. Fairways are no wider than 30 yards, and almost all of them are pinched in with a bunker. You know, even though it is advertised as overseeded ryegrass rough, this time of year in South Florida, some of the Bermuda rough starts to emerge in dormancy. You can get really inconsistent lies. So you don't really want to be in the rough here either. Um, and there's just water everywhere, like literally everywhere. I think there's only four holes on the golf course where like, while the water might not be in play for the pros, it's absolutely in play for guys like us. Like it, you can definitely find it here, uh, on 14 holes if you really want to. So it's a really tough layout and not only is it really tough, but in South Florida in February, the prevailing winds are from the East Northeast. And wind can play a huge factor in this place. It plays havoc with all types of shot trajectories. It dries out the greens. It plays firm. Like, and that makes the green regulation rate really low here. And when you have a lot of big wind and a lot of, you know, force carries over water, you're going to see a lot of water balls. And you can absolutely find those on YouTube. You can go find, like, funnies and fails of the Honda Classic. If you really want to see these guys just get their ass kicked, <laughs> go watch. I posted a video of that of last year. You know, I I forgot that so many guys stripped down to their underwear and hit out of out of the the you know basically on the edges of the ponds and the creeks there. Like it's just I don't know. I like like I enjoy watching some car crashes sometimes, but this just seems like kind of, it like it gets old after a while seeing these guys like hit into a water hazard again and again. Like I prefer guys messing up around the green like kind of like what dj did this week where like he got into a bad low lying tight lied uh, 
tight lie around the, I think behind the fifth green near the sixth tee box. And like, I could see his brain working. Like he pulled putter. He should have pulled a, you know, an iron to chip up. Pulled putter went up and down. Like, that's what I like to see. Like when the ball rolls into really bad spots here, when it just hits the water, I don't know. Like it's fun on Thursday, but after that, it kind of gets old. Um, so I, the most notable part about PJ national though, is the quote unquote, the bear trap, which is a nightmare stretch of holes between 15 and 17. And look like it, there's gonna be a lot of hype about the bear trap this week. It's going to be, it's, it's basically catnip on social media. There is absolutely nothing special about these holes. They're just ridiculously hard, especially when it plays into the prevailing East Northeast winds. Like it's playing into the wind all week. It's, it sucks. He, like you're going to see a guy, you might have somebody in your DFS lineup that's having a really good round. They get through here and they go like plus four through three holes. Like if you play this in even par, you're gaining a lot of strokes on the field. Um, I think another complaint about this stretch of holes too is the 15th and the 17th are essentially the same hole. They're both like moderately long par threes. I think the 15th plays about 180 yards. The ninth or the 17th plays 190. Both of them require left to right tee shots, like fades off the tee with water short and a bunker guarding the back left. Essentially the same hole. I don't understand why you would want basically the same hole within two holes, unless you're just Tom Fazio and Jack Nicholas, and you don't really <laughs> make the best golf courses sometimes. Um, but into the wind, like when you're hitting a fade, like it's going to get eaten up in the wind. And it's going to go into the water. Like if we see that time and time again, like a lot of tournaments can actually get swung here. Uh, if you got a guy with a one shot lean, he's coming through here. You, you got to hold your breath. He makes it through. Um, 16 is fine. It's a, you know, less than driver off the tee. If you're in that bunker on the left, you have absolutely no chance of getting close to the green. In fact, you might even be better off just laying up short of the fairway and trying to hit a wedge to get up and down. Um, I've seen guys try and get out of that bunker and go for the green and end up hitting the water. Like it just, you kind of got to take your medicine there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a force. That's a force layup off the tee. Set up like 160 yard shot into a, again, you want a left or right shot shape. Jack Nicholas favorite. He loves hitting fades. A lot of these holes. And I think that's why, like you see, like this is a Jack Nicholas golf course. Now a lot of holes are required left to right tee shots. That's why you see like a jo Sung JM do well here. That's why I've seen Brooks Koepka do well here. Guys who hit fades like Gary Woodland, he hits a fade too. A lot of guys that hit fades do really well here. Um, that's just how it is. And then um, the 18th hole that closes the par five. It's a really tough closing hole though. Top par five. It's basically a double dog leg. You got water left, water right. You got bunkers hugging all the way down the left side. You got palm trees on the right. Um, and then if you want to go for the green, usually it's into the wind. It's a force carry over water. If you want to lay up, the landing zone for the layup area is like 20 yards wide with bunkers all the way to the left. Just, I, it's just not a good hole. Like, if you're trying to challenge these guys, and your solution is just bunkers and water. It's not imaginative. It's not fun for players like us. And like, yeah, sure. It's it's. I guess we could. It's fun watching these guys play it. But I don't know. Doesn't really pique my interest. And I think another thing too is like this 18th hole is basically a cookie cutter template of a lot of other Jack Nicholas par fives. Uh, the closing hole of Glen Abbey, which is <laughs> completely atrocious hole. If you guys remember that there's like, I think there's a billion bunkers on that hole. It's basically the same hole. It's a double dog. Like, um, 
par five with water shore of the green. Uh, basically requires the left or right shot or approach shot into it. Murfield Village, the 11th, although after the renovation, I'm not sure if it's totally the same, but before the renovation, basically same thing, double dog leg, uh, par five requires, uh, you know, with water in front. The 17th at concession last year, again, same thing. It's uh, kind of a mirror image of the 18th at PJ National. Again, double dog leg, water shore of the green, bunkers everywhere. So it's a very popular Nicholas cookie cutter template for the 18th. Overall, like, you know, this is a golf course that is going to expose anybody without their A game this week. There's landmines everywhere. One or two bad shots can completely derail a rail around. Like, this is a golf course that demands consistent, accurate ball striking, a ton of patience. Suddenly, par is really good this week. Although, unfortunately, I say that this is a golf course where you have to hit the ball really well. Finding those guys this week is going to be a bit of a challenge. Um, let's take another rap break and then we'll explain why that's the case. Let's talk about stable duel. There are never enough things to gamble on, and the one sport that runs 365 days a year is horse racing. And the best part is, now there's a way to play the ponies, especially if you're brand new to the sport. Check out Stable Duel, a daily fantasy-style app where you can play for free and pay games for, and for real cash prizes. Pick your horses, build your stable, and play against others to move with the leaderboard. Win as much as $15,000 in one entry. And if you don't know anything about horses, don't worry. The app gives you clear data on which horses to select to build your best strategy. The app is free. Download at StableDuel.com. Multiple games are offered each day with free games. Weekly, it tracks all over the United States. Get in on the app, create your account, and start building your stables today. Invite your friends to play against you or play against other stables. You can even follow them in the app, and we compare our own stats. So download now at StableDuel.com and see how many winners you can pick in your stable. See you in the winner's circle. Play, race, win. All right, let's get into betting strategies week. And before I do that, I, I, I want to give just a PSA to everybody. And I kind of made references earlier about if you're struggling right now with just seeing the board or just not doing well, like, look, this might not be a get right week for you at the Honda classic, like be gentle on yourself with how penal and this place is, it's going to be really unpredictable. There's going to be a lot of shakeups on the leaderboard and you're going to make some bad calls this week. I'm going to make some bad calls this week. I'm going to recommend guys this week who are probably going to finish well outside the top 100 because they just hit in the water three or four times and they're just done. It's over. And anyone who says that they know this tournament and they can nail it, they're either lying to you or they're lying to themselves. This is just, it's going to be a shit show this week, guys. I'm just going to say it. <clears throat> not only is it, <clears throat> excuse me, not only is it not a great field, it's a golf course with a lot of penalty strokes, a lot of a lot of bogeys, a lot of unexpected landmines where a guy can be going really good and then it just goes horribly wrong because it's a, the ball in the water one or two times and just goes on tilt. So just if you make a couple bad calls this week, take a deep breath, understand that all this is completely out of your control. You may have made a really good pick based on what the stats say, but they just showed up with their B game one day and they shot a 78. It happens. So just take a deep breath, move on. It's going to be okay. So with that said, why don't we actually talk about how you're going to pick your losers this week? So what I always like starting with is on data golf, the relative skill set chart. And what that reveals is basically, even though this is a golf course that is 
penal demand. You have to be accurate. You have to hit like hitting greens is a premium. It is not approach play and driving accuracy is not a very reliable metric before the tournament to try and predict how the leaderboard shakes out, which is pretty confusing to me when we talk about a place that if you're hitting it straight, you're going to be pretty good. If you're hitting it all over the place, it's going to be bad. So why wouldn't you just be able to find just the best ball strikers, which is very easy to find on fantasy national or any other PGA tour database and just go with that. Well, it's for a couple of reasons. First of all, that chart, which you can go to my article and look at all that measures is just how guys are doing in the categories ahead of the tournament. And this tournament does not have very good fields. Like it used to, but given how it's part of the schedule is just changed over time. There's a lot of average to below average PGA tour players and not all of them are very good ball strikers. They typically keep their card with really good puttering and scrambling. There's a lot more of those guys in the field this week or average ball strikers than just very good overall ones. And where guys really separate themselves, like the elite ball strikers can separate themselves. When you start getting to like average or below average, well, they might look good. Like they might be the 40th best ball striker, quote unquote, in the field. That's not really saying a whole lot, a lot this week. So just relying on iron, like on iron stats before a tournament, that's not going to really get it done. Um, the second reason is, you know, and this kind of speaks to the drive accuracy, why that doesn't really matter, is this is a lesson driver golf course. It's not a very long golf course. Um, you don't need to pull driver a whole lot. This is, it's much more important to keep the ball in play. So you're going to see a lot of guys hit fairway metal or irons there. And inherently, these clubs are more accurate. So relying on things like driving accuracy or good drive percentage is not all that useful this week because those stats generally measure how you do with a driver in your hand. And here it's more just about focusing. I'd rather focus on just strokes gain approach. And I think that's actually going to cover more your off the tee stats, especially with your long approach shots. Maybe that's actually the trick. Instead of just looking at strokes gain off the tee, because you're taking that weapon out of a lot of these guys' players. And third is the weather conditions. Like, you know, between the penal nature and the wind here, you know, sometimes that can neutralize good and bad ball striking, especially in really crazy conditions. And at that point, it's hard to keep the ball in play for anybody or keep the ball or hit the green. So sometimes, you know, it comes, you know, it turns into a game of how we can get up and down for par. That's why you kind of see putting and around the green game, at least like in the stats you're looking at before the tournament, those are a little more predictive about how the tournament's going to go. You tend to see those types of players who, who rank higher in those stats towards the top of the leaderboard. But the problem, though, is once you actually get to this tournament and how guys separate themselves on the leaderboard, it's a completely different story. So another one like I used to do, I've been talking about this uh, chart for a couple of weeks now. It's, it's a very useful tool, is what drives variation scores at PJ National. And when you look at that chart, compared to the PJ Tour average, off the tee, putting, and around the green, it's harder to separate yourself or it's, you can't separate yourself as much as P at PJ national as you can at the average PJ tour golf course, but iron play, you absolutely can. Basically, this is going to come down to this guys. You need to pick from a pool of a lot of really average to bad ball strikers, and they're not going to have very good strokes gain or, or approach stats, but some of them are going to catch fire. 
And based on how you perform with your irons this week, because a lot of trouble can be found off the green, either in a bunker or with water hazards. Basically, the guys who hit their irons the best this week are going to do better, but you're not going to be able to find them because there's going to be a lot of bad ball strikers. So that's a big conundrum now, is it? So I guess the piece, the best piece of advice I can give you as far as, you know, what types of guys to maybe look for is, you know, you can go to the Jack Nicholas angle. Like a lot of his golf courses, and even if you look up on data golf, like they have a lot of course history stats now. And this is one of the more penal golf courses on the PGA Tour. And you notice if you sort by most penal, you'll see a lot of Jack Nicholas designs as most penal ones. You'll see a lot of Pete Dye designs as the most penal ones. You know, Nicholas in a lot of interviews, I remember watching a video about concession and he had like a gallery of like 500 people, I think when they opened the place. And they were playing around. He was talking about how, when he designed concession, like he was influenced a lot by Pete Dye, and he designed a lot of his golf courses that way, including concession. He even worked with a lot of people who consider Harbor Town a Pete Dye. Jack Nicholas has a lot of hand in that place too. They kind of work very hand in hand. And while I don't think Jack Nicholas does a, as good of a job as Pete Dye and designs his golf courses, a lot of the concepts are kind of the same. It's a lot about positional golf, a lot about missing in the right places. If you miss in the wrong place, you're going to punish for it. And that's basically what PJ National kind of is and what Jack Nicholas kind of turned it into. So you can use that. Some of those comparable golf courses, you can use Nicholas or Die. I think those are good. Uh, you, some, you see some crossovers. Some of the guys do well here in some of those other places. Uh, you can also look at some other tough demanding golf courses with low greens regulation rates. And they're just pretty penal in general. So Bay Hill, Quail Hollow, Innisbrook. All those are firm Bermuda golf courses. Well, Innisbrook is overseeded, but they, you know, they're both pretty, they're all, they're pretty penal. All of them have low green regulation rates. You see some crossover between some guys who do well there and do here. So that's what happened to do. And you can also go with um, trying to find a little more short-term data where maybe a guy's long-term iron play isn't very good, but they're hit, been hitting pretty good over the last three or four tournaments. Maybe that's a way to find a hot a guy riding some good ball striking that, that you know you can bank on, or you can try finding guys that maybe not have you know good overall iron stats, but they fare pretty well in the approach in the keep approach instances. And after we take a, another break here, uh, we'll talk about that and what those are. So let's take another break. Let's talk to you about, about prop swap, where America buys and sells sports bets. And the Bengals defy the odds this season by reaching the Super Bowl. But Cincinnati betters fell one game short unless you were the one of the smart betters who sold on PropSwap. PropSwappers made a huge profit last week when they sold their Bengals Super Bowl tickets. Like Tim from Ohio, who sold his 100, who sold his $100 41 Bengals ticket for $1,500 on PropSwap. PropSwap hits thousands of buyers across the country, so you'll always find the best odds and collect the most money for your bets. Hurry down and download the free PropSwap app today. PropSwap has fantastic features like filtering listed tickets based on the best value. They have a free activity feed to stay in the know with all the big sales and red hot tickets for sale, a loyalty rewards program that turns your ticket sales into extra bonus cash, and a first deposit cash match. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit, and PropSwap will match your deposit up to $500. Join the real sports bettors on PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. All right, let's close this show with talking about... Um, some key approach shot distances and you know, just some top players who do, do pretty well here too. So like I made, 
referenced earlier, you might want to start looking at uh, where these guys are in their iron shots. So last couple of weeks, we've actually seen pretty similar ranges. Like at TBC Scottsdale, it was mostly between 125 and 200. Last week, it was between 150 and 200. This week, we're going back to that range this week. So 66% of all approach shots at PJ National come between 125 and 200. Um, and, you know, this golf course is not really designed for a lot of flipper half wedges in the greens. Like, you're not going to have a lot of them. There's no real drivable par fours. So not a whole lot of approach shots under 100 yards. Um, you know, if someone is hitting an approach shot from less than 125 or less than 100 yards, it probably means they got in trouble off the tee. And that they're trying to get up and down from off the fairway for par. That's not something I really want to get on. So I'm not looking at really any short iron play this week. And as far as long iron uh, shots, well, there's only, it's a par 70. There's only two par fives in the golf course. Uh, two of the par threes also pay over 200 yards. But that's basically it this week as far as pro shots over 200 yards. Not a lot of, I think, I don't think there's any par fours over 450 on the golf course. So you're not really going to be seeing um, a whole lot of pro shots over 200 yards. They're really only going to be in the par fives. You also might see if guys are out of position on the par fives, their pro shot is actually going to be from like 125 to 150 because they have to lay up. So, you know, long approach shot, this isn't really all that great, but you know, it's going to be your shorter, like you're going to see a lot of wedges, nine irons, eight irons, seven irons, six, under, six irons to a lot of these greens. That's where you want to focus on it. And some of these guys that do really well at this golf course are pretty good at those ranges, like historically. So while we go over the top 10 in the field this week, who have gained the most strokes per round at the Honda Classic. So right at the top, Tommy Fleetwood, uh, plus 3.24 strokes per round. He's only had two appearances here, but he has a fourth and he has a third. He probably should have won, I think, the 2020 Honda Classic. I think he had like a three-shot lead going into Sunday. And... This is going to warm Boston Capper's heart. Tommy Fleetwood choked it away. And, you know, in true Tommy Fleetwood fashion, he couldn't hit any putts. It just, it wasn't great. So I think he's going to be a pretty popular pick because we were going to look at the course history and say, oh, we finished fourth and a third. He's bulletproof. Well, be careful. That's Tommy Fleetwood we're talking about here. Uh, second is Sung J.M. He's gained two strokes per round in 12 rounds. He's He won that 2000 uh, tournament. He's a guy who hits a lot of left to right shot. Uh, he, has a, he, hits a, he has a left to right shot shape. Of course, he would do well here because a lot of the approach shots, especially the key approach shots, require that shot. He would do well. You know, number three, Lee Westwood, 1.6 strokes per round, 30 rounds, just a solid, consistent, no nonsense ball striker. Not necessarily the best putter, but he doesn't find when he's hitting the ball really well. One of the best ball strikers on earth doesn't get in a whole lot of trouble. That's good. Number four, Brennan Haggy, which is kind of odd because he doesn't really pop up a whole lot at some other places, but. He's a good here. He's had his last five, four starts. He has a T21, a cut, T21, and a second. So that second is a mostly, you know, driving his strokes gain number. But if you get Brandon Haggy for, you know, under $7,000 for a T21 finish, that's pretty good. So he's been good here. I mean, that guy, he really only drives the ball a mile and putts. So I don't know. Not really sure why he does well here. Who knows? All right. Number five, Ricky Fowler, former winner here. Just again, like not necessarily the flashiest player off the tee, but just a, in his heyday, was a really solid ball striker and a good scrambler and decent putter. He can get up and down from anywhere. So he's got 
Luke Donald, number six. This is the type of guy I would expect to do well at Honda Classic. Short, accurate, consistent, really good with his intermediate irons, good putter. That's like the bread and butter, like classic Honda, classic like cookie cutter golfer. Daniel Berger, kind of the same thing. Pretty accurate off the tee, great iron player. Now he's struggling with the putter recently. That's not great, but typically he puts well in Bermuda. I don't know where his back is. I, I'm not sure if I want to go back to Daniel Berger. I got burned on him in Phoenix. Uh, number eight, Aaron Wise, who, if you guys forget last year, probably should have won this tournament. I think he was leading by six at one point and blew it over the weekend because I think he four-putted a hole. He just turned back to Aaron Wise. He he had some flashes um, this week at Riviera. I don't think the weekend all that great for him, but I don't know. I'll check stats when he's back. And then Kramer Hickok, Chase Seifert, they round out your top ten. Those guys are mostly pretty accurate guys. They don't get a whole lot of trouble. They're ball. This is like an example, though, of guys who don't really have good ball striking stats ever, but they're accurate. I think they hit their intermediate irons pretty well. That's why they do pretty well here, although it's only like eight rounds and six rounds for both those guys. So I guess taking that list, you can kind of see some trends of like what I talked about tonight as far as what works here. Um, and your job right now, I mean, it's going to be difficult, but you got to try and find those types of players. So, um, that's it. Uh, once again, this podcast went pretty long, but I appreciate you guys listening. I, uh, hope you guys had a very good Genesis Invitational and can have a very good Honda Classic. So we will be back, uh, tomorrow night for the DFS show. I'm also going on, uh, the Inside Golf podcast with Andy Lack, uh, tomorrow evening as well. So you can hear us, uh, probably bash this place. We'll probably spend 30 minutes talking about how bad Peter Nash is. I don't know. I, although, who knows? I haven't listened to his podcast. Maybe he likes the place. I would be very surprised if Andy Lack appreciates PJ National, but we'll see. But yeah, I will be on that show tomorrow night talking about uh, the betting tiers, going over who we like. And then I will be talking about uh, DraftKings pricing with Boston Capper, our tomorrow night show. And then Tuesday, we'll do our prop show and we'll try and pick more winners for you guys. So for myself, Steve Shermer. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow night.